Thank you for joining me today on the Homeowners Be Aware podcast. Today we're gonna talk about homeowners insurance, probably one of the most important things every homeowner should not only have, but should have a good understanding of what your policy actually covers. Most people have never read their entire policy and most of us really have no idea how things would go if we ever needed to make a big claim. So after today's podcast, you are going to be on the road to being a knowledgeable and much more prepared homeowner. My guest is James McKeever. He's an insurance broker in Dunedin, Florida, and he has a wealth of great information. Today, you are going to learn seven things every homeowner should know about their insurance. I'm George Siegel, and this is Homeowners Be Aware, the podcast that teaches you everything you need to know about being a homeowner. James, thank you so much for joining me today. George, thanks for having me. Hopefully our topic's not too dry with insurance and we don't lose you any listeners, but I appreciate being here. Well, I think we should gain some because I think this is such an important topic and it's something that people so do not understand. Now, before we started, you and I were just looking at some statistics that said half of the people out there don't understand their insurance policies. You and I probably said it's probably more than that. In your business, what do you find with your clients and other people about their truly understanding the policy? I think people have what they think is a high level understanding. They know if they have a policy, they know if they made the payment. But I think if you got into any level of detail on, on a question, I think most people would stumble with it. I think the the gross majority of people don't truly understand how their policy works. And, and there's some common scenarios where they would be pretty stunned to find out it didn't respond the way they think it would. Yeah, there's a Seinfeld episode with rent-a-cars. I don't know if you ever saw that where no. um, they didn't ha- he made a reservation, but they didn't have his car. And he said, isn't having the car the most important part? I equate that to insurance. Sure. People don't think about it. You go, okay, I, I'm paying for this. You need to know what you have yeah. because when you need it, it has mm-hmm. to be there for you. Yep, absolutely. And we we see some pretty big gaps there. We uh, Just a common one we see is uh, we'll see investors buy a property. They'll change the title of the property from their name into a trust or an LLC, not tell us for a year or two. That whole time, that whole year or two, they didn't have insurance. The insurable interest changed. So there's that's just one really gross example, uh, but there's a lot of those out there. It's, it's a little scary sometimes, uh, the lack of communication that people will will have with their insurance agent on on what's probably one of their most valuable assets. Yeah, I would argue it might be one of it, it might be the most valuable. The most. What's in, what's interesting is when people have a year or two where they're not needing it or they might have 5 years, they might have 10 years. Sure. I don't know that they value it as much because they think it's something why am I paying for this if I never use it? And that's really the wrong attitude. You can't look at it as, well, I didn't get anything back. You should right. be lucky you didn't get anything back. The hope is you never have to use it, right? It's um, So it's an intangible. Insurance is a promise. If you spend money somewhere else uh, at a clothing store, you you give them money, you walk out with a pair of shoes or a shirt. And with insurance, all you're getting is a promise. You give us and, and by us, we're the broker, but the carrier money. And then you get a promise back saying, if, if this event occurs, you'll be indemnified in this way. Now, there are many ways to indemnify, um, but that that's what it is. And so I think people kind of lose lose focus of their insurance. They want to stick their head in the sand a little. We hope they never need it. Uh, but insurance is asset protection. The more assets you have, the greater the limits you want. Because if you ever suffer a loss, whether it's property or liability, remember America's largest litigating law firm is based out of Florida. We're the number one state for litigation in the country. Um, you know, So if, if you ever have a judgment where you're litigated, litigated against, 
you want the policy to pay that and not your savings, not what you've worked your whole life to obtain. So that really is how you have to look at insurance is it's it's asset protection. Now, one of the things people also complain about all the time is you have this protection, but if you make a claim, a lot of people say their insurance company then either raised their rates or dropped them. So you think you have this protection, but if you need it, you really end up paying for it after the fact again. Yeah, that's a dark truth. It's true. Uh, that, that That is the reality of the industry. Uh, if you, you know, in my, I've been doing this 24 years. So in my experience with insurance, if, if something is a legitimate claim that wasn't aggravated by, say, negligence or lack of maintenance, if it's a property claim, um, insurance companies are understanding of that. They're going to pay that claim. Yeah, you might lose your safe uh, policy discount that you had. Uh, but it's I, I tell you what the insurance companies really look for are the claims on properties where there's a, a lack of pride of ownership or uh, high frequency of claims. Uh, I know there's a misconception out there about windshields are free in the state of Florida for anybody listening. Uh, it may be different in other states. They're certainly not free. Somebody's paying for them. So if your auto insurance sees you're, you're putting a windshield in your car every year or two on their dime, yeah, that poses a problem. So there are a lot of instances where filing a claim will have an adverse effect on you. I certainly don't recommend claims for uh, minor nuisance items, what I would maybe call maintenance items. Uh, but for larger occurrences, a tree fell on your house, absolutely. That's what you have insurance for. And, and the carriers know that. Well, explain to me how this is fair. So if I choose to buy a house on the beach, it's vulnerable to storm surge. It's vulnerable mm -hmm. to being the first victim of a, a hurricane blowing through. Why is my risk something that everybody else ends up footing the bill for? It seems like all of us pay more because of all the damage when some of us haven't had any damage. You're exactly right. And there certainly is an inequity. And there's two really, really stark kind of examples we can give of that, right? Uh, the first one is the National Flood Insurance Program. It was it was uh, kind of derived by Congress in 1968, the Flood Act of 1968. So the gross majority of flood insurance in this country, uh, that burden falls on the NFIP, which is a, a branch of FEMA. So it's the federal government. I would say probably 90% of all kind of flood exposure falls under that umbrella. Historically, up until 2021, the person lying in a low area of Nebraska paid the same rate for the same exposure as the guy that lived maybe on Clearwater Beach or St. Pete Beach. Uh, there certainly was an inequity there. Now, FEMA has released a new rating methodology in October of 2021. The tagline they put on it was equity in action, something along those lines. So now they're they're really trying to make it so the person in the higher risk area is paying their share of the premium. We're seeing, uh, again, for those maybe aren't, that aren't in Florida, our state secondary markets called citizens property insurance. We lovingly call them the market of last resort. Uh, they're a secondary market. Uh, same problem there. They, they've had artificially low rates and the people with vacation homes on the beach kind of got this subsidized premium, uh, but that's going away. So I think you're seeing the industry maybe late to the game, start to recognize that inequity and start to move away from it. Uh, but it's certainly been present. You're, you're right. And it isn't fair. Well, I had Lisa Miller on as a guest um, a few weeks back, and, and I was shocked to find out in, in researching for her and then talking to her about this, that with citizens, if there's a statewide catastrophe or just a major disaster, let's say Tampa got wiped out and mm -hmm. citizens didn't have enough money to pay for it, mm -hmm. we all would have to pay for it. So th would. that was really a surprise to me. It is. Yeah. And, and so there's a couple of mechanisms there. And, and I hate walking in the footsteps of Lisa Miller because she's brilliant with insurance. She probably knows more than I'll uh, ever. She'll probably have forgotten more about insurance than I'll ever know. 
So I hate coming in after her, but this, uh, citizens can do 45% assessments on their policies. Of course, the state has a guarantee fund we call FIGA, Florida Insurance Guarantee Association. So if a carrier becomes insolvent in Florida, that fund picks up and pays those claims. Right now, so it's for anybody listening, it's uh, October of 2023. If you look at your current Florida insurance policy, every policy in Florida, your homeowners, your auto, your boat, anything, you'll see a little fee on there at the bottom called a FIGA assessment. And they started that about a year ago. Another one got added. So right now we are all paying for prior carrier insolvencies. So again, does that add to the inequity? Is it in the general public's best interest for a carrier to go under and claims not be, you know, be paid? No, I think that you want your neighbor's house to be rebuilt. I don't think you want to live next door to a pile of burned down rubble because his carrier went under. Um, but yeah, they're citizens. We citizens is meant to be a secondary market, and we find ourselves in a situation where they're a primary market, uh, and and they they're actively trying to walk that back. I think citizens has about 1.6 million policies on the books. Historically, that number generally floats around 300 to 400 thousand. Uh, to give you context on kind of how swollen citizens is. Well, well, you know, a frustration for us is first of all, it was really difficult for us to find homeowners insurance. Then I yeah. thought we were way overpaying. Now Lisa told me maybe we should feel lucky we were paying what we are because a lot of people got it a lot a lot worse than we did. But with with carriers that are leaving Florida, with ones that are that are penalizing Floridians, um, and I hear this in California too, for people that are just paying obscene amounts for for insurance. What's our hope for the future of being able to to live here? And if you live in a risky area, even being able to get coverage in a risky area. It's we're, you know, everything is cyclical. Markets are cyclical. And we are, everybody in my industry knows, we're aware, we're in a hard market cycle. And it's the worst. Uh, folks that have been in this industry longer than I have, 40, 50, 60 years, uh, they're admitting that this is the hardest market they've ever, ever seen. It, it really is. Um, I don't want to use the word market implosion, but it's been a bit of a slow implosion of our market. We know this. Again, I hate to walk in Lisa's footsteps. She probably uh, touched on this. Our problem in Florida really has been a legislative issue. It, it hasn't so much been weather. These insurance companies can model the weather and, and the damage that they'll cause and the dollars that it'll cost them. And that modeling has been accurate for a number of years. Hurricane Ian proved to be really accurate. Plus or minus about three or four percent was the margin of error on what what the insurance companies thought that storm would cost them and what it cost them. What they can't model is human behavior. And we've had a torque problem in Florida uh, without diving too far into the weeds. That problem, hopefully, in large part, has been addressed with some legislation signed into law this year. So now a lot of the indicators are pointing to uh, the insurance companies having a, a bit of a fresh appetite for Florida. There's some, some market capital on the sidelines that's coming in. There's new carriers coming into Florida. We're now seeing a bunch of policy assumptions out of citizens. Into this year, there should be about 350,000 uh, policies that carriers are trying to assume away from citizens. Those are all good signs, George. So hopefully I'm long on insurance. I, I think, I hope our darkest days are behind us. It's a tough time to be an agent. Certainly our clients are frustrated. They're they're taking it out on their agents because they can't get the carriers on the phone. Uh, but I, I think in the next maybe 18 to 24 months, we should see some relief. Now, what relief looks like can be debated, but I think we'll see some relief. Yeah, you kind of stole my next question. I was going to say people used to love their insurance agent. Do people still uh, do people still love you? No, it's 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 a tough time, and you know, and I get it. You get, I'm, I'm a Florida resident, right? I'm a, I'm a, we're a, we're active in our community. We're in downtown Dunedin. For those familiar with the area, uh, I'm a I'm a Florida native, um, so I'm a resident here as well. Um, I'm feeling the same increases, but I get it. If you get a forty or fifty percent increase, something you didn't budget, 
you're going to have some frustrations and, and we have to listen to those frustrations and we certainly empathize. Um, but it's there's no way around it. it it's a tough when, when everything else is going up. You know, we, we know what inflation is. So insurance is just piling on. OK, now you've put together a list of seven things every homeowner should know about their homeowner's insurance. Let's run through that because there are some things on here that I think everybody needs to hear. You got it. So, you know, I think the first one is really basic. It sounds really simple, but you would be stunned with how many of our clients we speak to that they don't know who their insurance company is. They don't have a copy of their policy. They haven't seen their policy in years. I don't know if they throw it away thinking it's junk mail. Um, what kind of policy is it written on? Did you write this policy 10 years ago when you bought the house and it was a rental and you've since moved into it and now it's your, your owner-occupied home? Well, then it's on the wrong policy form. So I think that uh, they're you know, number one, what do you have? Get a copy of your policy, know who your agent is. Um, we've had some clients that premiums are so high, they haven't paid them and they have a mortgage on the property. And so the lender put force place insurance on. You're not insured. Force place insures the bank. It only insures for what you owe the bank. That could be a, leave a huge amount of equity exposed without coverage. So, you know, number one, know what you have for insurance. And if you don't know, pick up the phone and call your agent and, and find out, learn what you have, get a copy of your policy. Yeah, let me ask you a question about that. So when, sure. when you have that situation, my feeling is that whenever there's a claim, an insurance company is looking for a way that maybe they don't have to, to pay that claim. So if you sure. don't have your house designated right, if you haven't dotted the I's and crossed mm -hmm. the T's and done things properly, are they just flat out not going to pay you? They can. You know, insurance is a contract. It's it's a, a very, very, in its basic form, it's a contract. Um, so if if you violate that contract, then then of course the contract's void. Right. So if, if you are using the home as a daycare and you told them, it, you know, it isn't a daycare, they didn't contemplate that exposure in their premium. Yeah, they cannot pay that claim. It's it's it would be frustrating. And then the insurance company is a big, bad, evil institution and they're going to get a one star review on Google. I can see it coming. Uh, but yeah, you, you do want to make sure you do dot the I's and cross the T's. Yeah. Good luck ever trying to sue those guys. All right. Now, the next one on the list. So the next one. You know, in Florida, we're all experiencing, as we know, we've touched on it, really high rising rates. So there's some home hardening things people can do. There's a program out there, out there right now called My Safe Florida Home. Lisa may have touched on it uh, in your interview with her. I uh, encourage people to look into it. I know that funds are running low. I don't know that they're taking new applications. Um, it's a $10,000 grant, not a loan, uh, available to homeowners in Florida for things they do to harden their home against wind, adding hurricane clips, impact resistant doors and windows. You don't need to do all the doors and windows to qualify for the funds. The funds are 66 cents on the dollar. So if you spend 5,000, the state will give you 10,000. Uh, if I'm hearing hearing the tea, hearing the wind correctly, uh, no pun intended, I believe that that market, uh, that program will probably see some additional funding. Um, you know, one of the other things I think people want to look for is their roof. It's, it's the first thing insurance companies look at. When, when you come to me as an agent, say, James, can you write us homeowner's insurance, whether you're buying a house or just trying to save some money, the first thing we look at as an agent is how old is your roof? And if the roof's 18, 19, 20 years old, we tell people it's time for a new roof. And we get this question all the time, George, why would I replace my roof if it isn't leaking? Well, that's akin to saying, why would I replace the tires on my car? And it still holds air. The tire hasn't blown yet. Well, you know, if it's out of tread and if the tire's bald, it's time for new tires. It's the same with the roof. The insurance companies know it. They don't want to be on the hook for you discovering the roof has a leak because once it happens, then they owe for the interior damage. So keep your roofs up to date, budget for the roof uh, and, and look into those home hardening grants. Those are those are really helpful for people to, to keep premiums low. Absolutely. I think people need to realize that 
even if you have to finance it, whatever you have to do to pay for it, the grief you will save by having that as something that doesn't go in a storm could yep. be like, I mean, you're saving a life altering problem potentially from happening because you if are. the roof goes, the whole house is going to go. It is. And we can touch on it again in a minute, but I think that there is a little bit of a misconception uh, that people are, I've seen it with first time home buyers really more in the last few years. Um, maybe it was an, an infusion of pandemic money into the economy. I don't know what caused it. Um, it's it's a little out of my lane, but I'm seeing where homeowners aren't budgeting for certain repairs. You know, if you have a water heater in your home, uh, it's only going to last 20 years. And if the water heater is $2,000 installed to make round numbers, you have to budget $100 a year. Uh, same with your roof. If it lasts 20 years and a new roof's $20,000, you should be putting away $1,000 a year. So what, $85 a month. I don't think people are doing that. Uh, so I think what's happening is when they get to the point where they need one of these things because of a critical failure, they're looking to their homeowner's insurance. And that's where we're running into some some issues before maybe the, the litigation reform uh, and some of the pressure on these rates that now we're all paying for. Um, you and I may be paying for our neighbor's roof that the insurance policy had to pay for that it shouldn't have. Yeah, everybody's looking for that hailstorm to roll through so they can have the adjuster exactly. come out and say, yeah, you need a new roof, even though yep. they needed a new roof before that happened. Exactly. Um, the tires were bald. Exactly. Yep. Number three on the list. You know, I, I, it's great marketing, but um, we get this a lot. What about combining my home and auto? I want to save some money. Combining home and auto is a bit of a myth in Florida. Um, anybody maybe listening or watching in, in the insurance industry, I'm sorry if I've slighted you with this, uh, but it is a bit of a myth. I think in other states, where a carrier, not to pick on any one carrier, but carrier A may have a robust appetite for auto and homeowners insurance, and it maybe makes sense to combine them. Those carriers don't exist in Florida. The, the carriers that write auto insurance, by and large in Florida, Travelers and Mercury and Progressive and Bristol West and Kemper, they don't have an appetite for homeowners insurance. Progressive does a little, uh, but I've seen the rates to be high. So there are some narrow exceptions where we can combine home and auto. But for the most part, it would be a disservice to the client uh, because the best auto rate may be with carrier A, while the best homeowner's rates with carrier B. So we don't want to fit that square peg in the round hole. Uh, we get it a lot, but it, it really in practice doesn't work the way that the consumer wants it to. I want to shake Flo and Jamie so badly uh, because if they, they don't even tell you, oh, by the way, if you have a 16-year-old male driver in your house, right. everybody's going to screw you. Everybody. There's, there's no way around it. And it's 400... On average, a male driver aging into 16 pops a premium by about 400 a month and female is two to 300. It's a lot. That's And, and we have the clients tell us, well, we bought an old beater for, for our son. He's turning 16. We spent $1,000 on this car. It, it isn't the cost of the car driving the premium. It's that third-party liability. Remember, Florida's the most litigious state. It's, it's the damage that you can do to another human, not the value of the car that drives the premium. Wow, 400. I wish we could get that. We are just paying so much. I mean, it just makes me want to want to cry. So it's I may true. cry. Can I you can I put my head on your shoulders? In a safe space, go for it. I, I'm well conditioned. Thank you. Okay, next one. So you know the next one. I think that that we get a lot of shock on, and, and we just had Hurricane Idalia roll, roll through our area, um, maybe what four or five six weeks ago. Hurricane deductibles. Look at your homeowner's insurance. Most of these policies have a two percent hurricane deductible. That can be a ten dollars or $15,000 deductible. Um, if the storm has a name, so if it's Tropical Storm George or Hurricane George, not a Tropical Depression number nine or number seven, but if it has a name and you sustain damage, new roof, whatever that damage is, you're subject to that 2% deductible. And I think if I'm reading 
a lot of our clients accurately, they're not sitting on 10 or 15 grand ready to go the next day uh, to satisfy that deductible to get their home fixed. So we've we've seen some crocodile tears in recent weeks. Um, you know, people kind of open their policy again, back to the first point, most people don't know what they have. Um, I, I, you know, take a look at your deductibles and budget for that. Be ready for that. I think a lot of people maybe stick their head on, in the sand and say, well, I have insurance. I'm good. This storm's rolling through. I have insurance. I'm okay. You do, but you also have a very high obligation, a good chance you have a high obligation uh, if the damage comes from a named storm. Absolutely. You need to have somebody like you as the agent explain those exclusions for how that deductible is going to apply because that's you've already just faced damage. Now you have to face the bad news that you don't have the money to fix the damage. Right. Um, that's that's a pretty horrible thing. And then just while we're on this subject, tell people why they never want to assign their benefits to a contractor. You know, that's a and well, and part of the legislative package passed this year is is really outside of some narrow instances, you no longer can. So uh, as of July 1st this year, you can't. Oh, good. Uh, now the same holds true for auto and homeowners, but it really has been a thorn in the industry side. And Lisa probably touched on this with you. Once you assign your claim away, you're out of the claim. You're no longer a first party to that claim. So th the company that you've assigned your claim to, normally they want you to assign it to them, in my experience, for nefarious reasons. I'm sorry for anybody in that industry that I'm slighting with this. Don't feel bad for them. They uh, well, they, no. they, 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 I know it's a tough one. Um, but, you know, they'll run the claim up. They will prejudice the rights of the carrier by not allowing them an opportunity to inspect the damages. If, if you have if you have a contract, if you have a policy, which we've established as a contract between you and your carrier, now under the current law, you have to remain the first party to that claim. You can't assign the claim away. And it really is no good for you, the homeowner. The company isn't watching out for you most of the time. You want to be involved in it. Certainly no good for the insurance company, which who cares about them? They're big, wealthy insurance companies except for when they all leave the state of Florida and they they go make their money in 49 other states. And now we don't have a private market. Uh, we, you know, they're a necessary evil. We need insurance if we're going to live here. Uh, so yeah, assignment of benefits is what it's called when you assign that claim away. And that's a real problem, but hopefully one that's, that's going to see a sunset soon. Sure. Disasters bring out the best and the worst in society. And what we saw with Hurricane Michael and then with Ian with people swooping in and taking advantage of victims, it just, it, it's heartbreaking. It is. And it happens. I, I, I think you and I discussed previously, or I sent you, I was a, a claims adjuster. I was a flood insurance adjuster for FEMA's National Flood Insurance Program for 14 years. So I was in Katrina for six months after, after or New, New Orleans after Katrina. I was in on the coast of Texas after Ike and Hurricane Sandy. So I've seen it. And it, you're right. It brings out the best of people. Uh, but it does bring out some bottom feeders and some ambulance chasers, unfortunately. Um, there's there's some profiteering that takes place. Yeah, it's really sad. So the next one on the list, planned maintenance. Yeah, you know, we touched on it a minute ago, but it, I almost, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a minute. I oh, almost yeah. wonder if first-time homebuyers, uh, if they have a federally backed mortgage, here's my idea. I'm going to pitch this to you. You're the first to hear it, George. They should be required to take a class on this planned maintenance. We talked about it with the roof and the water heater. And, and, and again, we just see it so often. We had a call. This is not hyperbole. This happened. Two weeks ago, somebody had bought their first home about a year ago, a year into home ownership, their garage door opener stopped working. They called and said, hey, my garage door opener won't go up anymore. Can I file an insurance claim? And my first question is, well, why won't it go up? Did, did you have a lightning strike? Did you back into the garage door? And they said, no, no, it's, it's just somebody looked at it and it's just old. It just needs to be replaced. Well, that's not an insurance claim. The, your insurance policy is not a home warranty. It's not a maintenance contract. It's for sudden occurrences. Uh, and I think, you know, there just is a kind of a, 
a void of education on, on some of the newer home buyers, knowing that these are the things you have to budget for. And we get it a lot. Um, I, I have a slow pipe leak. I have a pipe leak under my slab. The roots are growing into my sewer line. I need to file an insurance claim. That's not an insurance claim. That's And, and then there's some heartbreak on the other end when, when they don't have the $10,000 to fix it. Yeah. And for any of those people that um, that think that they can buy one of those home warranties, they really need to look into the company that they're working with. Because first, in my experience, they send out the subs to fix things that are just available for a reason because they yep. usually aren't the A, A team for fixing stuff. And then yep. the other thing is when something really breaks, it's usually not covered by that. You're exactly right. I'm not a big fan of those home warranties. Uh, uh, probably I'm, I'm going to, again, I'm out of lockstep with the other agents in my industry. Uh, we don't write them. We've never written one out of our office. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm just not a big fan of them. There's no way around budgeting for what you know is going to be home maintenance. Home Owning a home is more than paying the taxes and insurance and mortgage. There are things in the home, appliances and, and water heaters and roofs and plumbing. They, they don't last forever. Electrical systems don't last forever. Circuit breakers and breaker panels don't last forever. And people need to budget for those. It's a, it's a planned item. Yeah. Or rethink buying a home because it's a lot of work. It's a, it's sometimes it, it could be a full-time job taking care of your house. And the next one on the list. The next one on your list, uh, and, and it's I'm, I'm kind of circling back here to where we started, but call your agent Know who your agent is. I know I said that in the beginning when I talked about people that don't even know who insures their home. You should know. What's their financial stability? Uh, but call your agent. We've had a lot of them lately where uh, an alarm system company goes door to door, sells you an alarm, and they say, hey, George, if you pay us $30 a month to monitor this alarm, you're going to get a certificate. You're going to turn it into in your insurance company and get this massive discount. And then, of course, our client realizes that it's a $20 a year discount. It's not nearly enough to cover the cost of the alarm. It's too late though. They've signed the contract. Call your agent. Uh, we've had another one where somebody spent a bunch of money, thirty or forty thousand dollars, putting impact windows in their home, only to find out they didn't get a discount on their policy because they didn't do the skylights. The person selling the window sure didn't tell them. Call your agent first. These things, uh, if the policy's old, if you if you took out your insurance when you bought your home ten years ago, maybe you've added a pool, maybe you've remodeled, maybe you've gotten a pet. Um, maybe you've saved a lot of money in your 401k and now you need an umbrella. Again, uh, insurance is asset protection. Call your agent. So I'm going to give a little shameless plug here. Use a local agent. If not us, that's fine. But a local agent, not a call center agent, nothing against Geico or Progressive or USAA even. I know they have great brand loyalty, uh, but it's a it's a, it's a a low wage call center person. Um, it, it, we're all writing the same widgets. We all, as, as independent agents, use the exact same insurance companies. Um, so you're going to get the same product in the end. But if you can speak to an agent that understands the Florida market and can help you navigate it, you're going to be far ahead than using somebody in a call center that that's helping clients in 49 other states. They can't know the local landscape the way a Florida agent will. That's definitely true. There's nothing like having that personalized service of somebody who who feels your pain and knows your situation. And it won't cost you anymore. Uh, I know a lot of people think that that there's some mystical unicorn. Uh, carriers are rate locked, right? So if you call me or you call my competitor down the street and we price homeowners insurance for your home and we both price the exact same insurance company, citizens or any private market, so long as we input the data the same, the rate's the same. You're not buying a used car. You're not calling an agent. And and, and we get that sometimes. Hey, we need to, we need to trim some money off this. And, and so we use that analogy. Look, you're not buying a used car. The way to trim money is to lower coverage or increase deductibles. But there, there really is not a secret weapon other than the home hardening steps that we discussed earlier. Yeah, maybe sell your house and get an apartment. 
it's tough these days. I mean, the market sure has shifted, right? And I know that, and, and I'm seeing, I saw an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, uh, that that for the first time in four or five years, rent is cheaper in this country than home ownership. Uh, it, it's expensive. It's not something to be undertaken by everybody. Unless you're trying to rent a house in South Tampa. That's well, there are, insane. <laughs> there are some micro markets that that the article certainly didn't look at. And, and Dunedin's one of them. I don't know if you're familiar with our area, but it's it's not a whole lot better here. It's rents have certainly ballooned. I love your area. I would I would move to Dunedin tomorrow if I could uh, could get away with it. So the last one on the list. Is there, is there one more? There is. There's one more on the list and, and we'll we'll bring it home with this one. And it's a big one. Right. So I I understand the podcast really focuses on homeownership and, and, and homeowners beware. You and I have a mutual contact. Him and I have discussed this before. A shout out to Jay Jenkins. Uh, with one of the good Fox. guys when it comes to builders. He is that, one of the good guys. Yes. Jay, the good one. So the, the last one is use insured vendors. So we're talking about all these things that that we know you're going to do on your house. And that's if you don't voluntarily update your house. But anybody that comes to work on your house, use an insured vendor. I'll give you some examples. Uh, well, first of all, as you can imagine, a lot of vendors are running around without insurance. Let's assume they, they have insurance. They give you a certificate of insurance. First thing to know about a certificate of insurance is it's a snapshot in time. When the agent or the insurance company issued that certificate, it validates the policy was active when they issued it. Policy could have been canceled five minutes later. Feel free to call and verify. Call the agent. Say, hey, I'm I'm Joe Consumer. I'm having Bob's Tree Service come out to my house and, and remove this 100-year-old oak tree overhanging my house. Can you confirm as of right now he still has insurance? Agent's going to be happy to do it. So don't keep in mind the piece of paper they flash you in the three-ring binder when they're taking your deposit was a snapshot in time. They have to be covered for the class of work they do. There's some nefarious actors out there, as you can imagine, and we have some, some folks running around with handyman insurance holding themselves out to trim trees, and they have a piece of paper saying they're insured, but they're not insured to do the task they're selling themselves on. So again, pick up the phone, call the insurance company, call the agent and say, hey, I see your name on this, this insurance document. Can you confirm Bob's Tree Service is okay to cut a tree that's overhanging my house? Okay. Um, do they have workman's comp? But here's the other one. And this is one that, that kind of, I think, brought you and I together. Uh, Jay and I were having a conversation. What are their limits? There are some folks running around out there with $100,000, $300,000 limits or $200,000, $400,000 limits. There's a lot of houses out there that can't be rebuilt for $200,000. When I say $200,000, $400,000, that means two hundred dollars per any one claim or four hundred dollars for the term of the policy. So if you have a vendor come out and they drop a tree on your house or burn your house to the ground, and they have a two hundred thousand dollar limit, and it costs four hundred to rebuild your house. You have a problem. You, the homeowner, have a problem. Yeah, but is so, there going to be something in my insurance policy that says if a bad tree trimmer drops a tree on my house, I'm not covered? It, would that be an exclusion that I don't know about? Or I would think maybe I would have some coverage for that. You may have some coverage under your homeowner's insurance. Hopefully, you have it. Hopefully, you know what policy you have. Hopefully, your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed. At the same time, though, that vendor, for him to have the, the correct policy, maybe a $1 million, $2 million policy, it's a 10% cost differential. It's minor. So you want to look for the vendors that understand their value and the value that they bring to the consumer by having the proper insurance and licenses. There are some other instances, though, where, where maybe the homeowners isn't going to. Um, you know, Again, if you're not on the correct form, um, there are many different policy forms. There's not one homeowner's policy. You have an HO1, an HO2, an HO3, an HO4, HO5. I could keep going. There's a ton of different policy forms. And depending on the one you're on, you may have some cover coverage limitations where it won't respond to that scenario. 
You know, I think if people truly vetted everybody that came to their house to work, there would be a lot of unemployed people because I would, I've had some real low lives come through here. I've had some great people come through yep. that, that did a really good job, but I've had just as many come through. I had one guy give an estimate for fixing our, a roof leak without ever going up on the roof. Yeah. What's that tell you? <laughs> That's insane. So I'm sure yeah. he didn't have insurance because he certainly sure. didn't know how to fix a roof. So it just seems like with so many things coming, coming our way, insurance is something that you can't look at as I, I hate paying this. It has to be your peace of mind so you can sleep at night. It, it does. And again, these are big at the home for most people, probably you and I included our homes, are our biggest asset. So we do have to insure it. Um, you know, we, we don't want to put that asset at risk. Uh, of course, we have other assets. We have savings and other kind of assets that we want to protect. We want to know the vendors we're working with. Use good vendors. There's an old saying that one of my mentors used that if you if you pay with peanuts, you get monkeys. So the guy that comes in that that's 50% less than all the other vendors, there's a reason why he is. Uh, insurance for these guys, especially roofers and tree guys, not to pick on them, uh, but insurance for those classes, it's expensive. I mean, the average roofer could be paying 20 or 30 grand a year in insurance. That's not nothing. And that's on top of workman's comp. They could be paying 30, 40 cents on the dollar for work comp. So those are really high cost. Uh, so yeah, the vendor that comes in with the low number, there's a reason it's low. Yeah. So why do you think then uh, that that people with their biggest investment are as cavalier as they are and as unknowing about what could happen as they are? I think that they're relying on fate, luck, and hope that nothing is going to happen to them. I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand why people are so laid back and non-caring about something that's so important. I, I guess it's, and we hear it a lot. It's never happened to me. I haven't had an accident in 17 years. Why do I need this much insurance? Well, but you could have one this afternoon. Uh, the, the past is not a predictor of the future, um, but, but they are. There are a lot of people that are cavalier with it. I think it circles back to what we discussed earlier. It's an intangible. It, again, if you go to the store and you buy a new suit and, and a cheap suit's $400 and a good suit's $1,800, I don't know, uh, you'll know, you'll feel that difference. If you go to a good restaurant versus McDonald's, you're going to taste that difference. You don't with insurance. And because most people don't understand it to begin with, and they don't take the time to ask somebody to explain it to them, um, I think they would just rather kind of look the other way. It kind of ranks up there with taxes, maybe medical. I, I know there's you know, I can speak probably for you as well as guys, as we get older, we hate going to the doctor because we we're worried they're going to tell us they found something. It's easier not to go. So, uh, you know, you have to be proactive with this. Uh, and I think insurance falls into that same category. Yeah. One of my favorite lines that uh, I'll, I'll take credit for writing in my in my last film with with people with their houses, they seem more concerned about the icing on the cake than the ingredients that are in the cake. Yep. And and that's that's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy. They're worried about what color to paint the living room, but they're absolutely burying their head on the fact that they have 50-year-old galvanized plumbing that's a time bomb. Uh, it, and it's true. And I, I get it. I've, I'm on my third or fourth house. You know, when you're, uh, you do, you want it to look good and you want it to feel good when you come home from work. But but there are some kind of greater parts to the puzzle that people need to be aware of. Yeah. And I wish people would learn. And, and, and that's one of the things with my podcast. If, if people just listen to the things that have happened to me and could avoid sure. those... Yeah. I think they would be so much better off. So final thoughts. What would you say to people um, as the takeaway about insurance? Well, you know, insurance is is probably, again, I, I made the medical reference a minute ago. Uh, if if you thought you had, a, if you've been having this pain in your, your left shoulder for six months, or you've been having these headaches you can't explain, don't bury your head, go to the doctor and find out what's going on. It's better to get ahead of it. But the same thing with homeownership and insurance. Don't bury your head on it. 
don't call the day. Certainly don't call your agent two days before the storm hits because our phones are ringing off the hook. Can I get a copy of my policy? Can I increase my coverage? Can I lower my deductibles? No, you can't. The insurance companies are wise to it. As soon as there's a storm warning, we all go under a binding suspension. We can't make those changes. Um, this is what you want to plan in the calm season. Get a copy of your coverage and, and have that local agent you can talk to and just get at least a basic understanding of what you have. If if life changes and, and you know you want to, again, run a daycare out of your home, pick up the phone and call your agent, but, but at least have a good idea of what you have to start with. And there is a grace period for flood insurance, right? It's 30 days. 30 day wait, right? To get flood insurance. And and, and it, you, when I started, it was two two weeks, 20 something years ago, it was two weeks wait. Um, and, and there are parts of this country. I know you and I are in Florida. So we, you know our focus is, is on the exposure we have here. There are parts of the country that flood pretty regularly, parts of the Mississippi River Basin. Some of these folks know they're every few years, three or four years are going to flood. Uh, so there was a trend where and they know weeks ahead of time. If if it if the Mississippi River starts uh, flood stage way up north in the country, they know down south two weeks before it happens. So there, there's kind of this tranche of people that would take out insurance a couple of weeks before they knew the flood was coming. So FEMA got ahead of that, I don't know, 15 or 18 years ago and made it a 30-day wait. And that's why they do it. They You have to carry it year-round. Well, another recent guest of mine is the executive director of the Anthropocene Society and, and Foundation. And they um help people in communities where a lot of times you're not you're not in a flood area but because they built a new community up the road from you that diverted sure. all the water your neighborhood is now at risk of flooding so those, right. everybody needs to understand flood insurance doesn't cost that much if you're not in a flood zone that's right yeah if you're unless you're, you have a house on the beach on the coast uh, you're right on the water's edge certainly those flood policies are expensive and they're getting more expensive quickly uh, that's kind of aggravating a lot of florida homeowners with kind of already skyrocketing homeowners rates. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, FEMA changed the rating methodology in October of 2021. And it's because they're bringing equity to the market, people that were maybe paying, not maybe, but people that were paying subsidized rates are are quickly approaching non-subsidized rates. For some people, that's three or 4,000 a year, uh, heading to 15,000. My, my own home insurance, uh, I pay about $500 a year, but I'm heading to 3,600. I already know what that number is. It's an 18% a year increase until I get to 3,600. So whatever that is, seven or 800% increase. Now imagine that for somebody that's starting at four or 5,000. So I get it. Flood insurance is expensive on the coast, uh, but inland it really isn't. If you live in, a, in an inland area that's maybe low lying, lots of clients, we have lots of clients with three, four, $500 a year premiums. And if you live in Florida, to some extent, you're in a flood zone. You, you just are. Yeah. You really have to understand not just where your house is, but right. everything around it. Look at a map. Yeah. And say, gee, what about that dam two miles up the road? What about Absolutely. that river a half a mile yep. up the road? Yep. And, and where's the storm drain? You have a storm drain on your street. We have palm trees here. So a couple of palm fronds plug up that storm drain and we get a good afternoon rain and water gets in your garage. It doesn't sound like much, but if it you know tears up the drywall in the garage or anything you had on the floor, your garage door sensors, it can easily be four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000 that a flood insurance policy would respond to that uh, a homeowner's policy is not going to respond to. Yep, just a little bit of water can make your life miserable. Man, it really can. It can. And to tack on, I, I know so many people listening, probably if they're in Florida, they have citizens insurance. Just so you're not caught off guard, citizens is rolling out where they're making everybody carry flood insurance if you're going to remain with citizens. So it's coming by January 1st, 2027. Everybody's going to have to have it if you're going to remain with citizens. Uh, so it's it's good to start budgeting for it now. So do we all have to move to Montana? It's it's for some people, you know, it's funny, we, we say it in jest, but there are some people that are saying, look, I am getting priced out. 
and, and we do live in a catastrophe prone state. We do. It's the real, I love it. I'm a lifelong resident. I don't see me living anywhere else. Uh, but, but it's, we have to be realistic with ourselves about, you know, what we face and the exposures we face. And, and there's a cost, there's a price tag that comes with it. You know, we, we had a cold front recently and I didn't like it that it went down below 60. So I don't think I would last five seconds in Montana. I wouldn't either. One day a winter and I'd be begging to get back to Florida. No, it's, if you've lived here long enough, your blood's thin. It's, we're not built for colder climates. No, we're not. Hey, James, what a wealth of information. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'll put your contact information in the show notes, but I really appreciate your time. George, thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me. Hopefully we didn't bore your listeners to death, uh, but, but thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The best ways to get in touch with James are in the show notes. Hopefully after today, you reach out and talk to whoever your broker is and get the answers to the questions that we pose and how they apply to you. We may not like paying that bill every month, but the alternative is much more costly. And if you have a story, good or bad, about being a homeowner, fill out the contact form in the show notes. Let me hear about it. And if you liked what you were listening to today, please become a regular subscriber so you don't miss an episode. A new one comes out every Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening today. See you next time.